0: Today's episode of Positive Regression is sponsored by Craft Beer Club. Craft Beer Club is the original Craft Beer of the Month club, searching for exceptional craft beers from around the country to deliver to your front door. Each shipment includes a dozen beers from among the best microbreweries in America, many of which have earned top awards. Their Micro Brew News newsletter accompanies each shipment, so you can learn much about the featured craft brewery and the brewmasters. Check out the brewery's tasting notes and test your beer geekiness with beer trivia questions.
1: You can customize your own ongoing Beer Club membership, whether it's annually, monthly, or quarterly. There is no membership fee. There is no obligation to continue. You may cancel your membership or gift anytime for any reason. Shipping is always free, and if you purchase using beer.posregpod.com, you'll receive up to three bonus gifts with your order, and you'll help support this very podcast. So, take advantage of the offer, join Craft Beer Club today, and place your order at beer.posregpod.com. Thank Everybody. Welcome to Episode 79 of Positive Regression, a Motorsports Analytics Podcast. I'm Alan Cavana of Fox Sports, joined by David Smith of Motorsports Analytics. On this episode, we're talking the Truck Series. Because it's awesome, because the playoffs are beginning, and because we need to discuss its place on the path to a cup ride. That, plus our big Bristol preview. But first, as always, this is Episode 79 of Positive Regression. This is is the Scott Speed edition. Most notably, Scott Speed is part of a ridiculously small group of American Formula One drivers, David. I think he was the last full-time one, and we're talking about 15 years ago at this point. But, David, he brought his talents back across the pond for stock car racing, and that did include some starts in a number 79 car.
0: Yeah, now that you say that, the the number of Formula One drivers who competed in the Cup Series seems relatively Slim, I'd say it was probably slimmer. The number of F1 drivers who competed in ARCA. Well, <laughs> Scott Speed did that, but he, uh, he did drive the number 79 car twice in the cup series for Archie St. Hilaire. Both were intended to be start and park efforts. Uh, but let's backtrack. Scott Speed had an interesting career. It's still going. It's a, it's a pretty whimsical career when you think about it. At one time, He was the number one ranked youth kart racer in the world, and that was apparent. I was lucky enough to watch him compete in a charity race at GoPro Motorplex, and that dude was smooth. That car went anywhere he wanted, and his talent was evident. He did make it to Formula One, famously as the first American after Michael Andretti to compete in that series. Speed was the winner of the inaugural Red Bull driver search. Red Bull, uh, sort of, uh, synonymous with, with Scott Speed's career, uh, all in. He lasted a year and a half in F1 before being removed from his ride at Toro Rosso, which was owned by Red Bull. But Red Bull kept him in the family. They placed him in the Arca series with Eddie Sharp racing for A year to prepare him for the Cup Series the year after that. That's quite a leap. You may remember his year-long ARCA Series title battle coming down to him versus Ricky Stenhouse with Justin Allgaier, a distant but still eligible third place in the final race at Toledo and if you haven't seen it, pull it up on YouTube. <laughs> My man, Adam <laughs> Ricky, Alexander, is doing Ricky the interview. Ricky Stenhouse spun Scott Speed early in that race. Speed uh, got his car repaired, got back on the track, no intention of competing, ended up wrecking Stenhouse. Speed was disqualified from the race. Allgaier fell ass-backwards into a championship. Good for Justin Allgaier. Uh, now, he did manage to win a truck series race at Dover for Bill Davis Racing. So he's got himself one of those cool monster statues. And what he's been doing lately, he found a lot of success winning four consecutive domestic Rallycross championships. He has an X Games gold medal for rally. He was on his way to a fifth championship last year when he fractured his vertebra in August. He actually did not have uh, surgery to repair that. Uh, his recovery uh, did not include surgery. I interviewed him earlier this year, one-on-one for RedBull.com. He was very gracious. He told me he felt he was at 90% health and claims he is now an inch and a half shorter than he was oh. prior to that crash. Yeah, His next challenge, Alan, is stage rally with the Subaru folks, uh, with whom he signed in late 2018. That is timed racing through forests, and that is the kind of crazy challenge that I think suits Scott Speed very well.
1: Yeah, uh, good memories of Scott Speed. It just reminds me of that, what, that mid to late 2000s era of – you know, more attitude, right? And, and the sponsor, Red Bull, you know, coming into the into NASCAR and kind of this new demographic almost that they were chasing, uh, only to find that on the competition side, it, it was a lot harder to compete. You know, you could have all the commercials and stuff you want, but actually getting results out there on the track, not easy uh, in this sport. And even for a talented race car driver, uh, someone who competed on the world stage, Uh, like Scott Speed, uh, not easy once you get with these big stock cars even on ovals. So, uh, that's how I kind of remember the Scott Speed era, you know, being just grouped into that whole uh, that that new marketing campaign that came in with Red Bull which was a big deal right i mean Red Bull being in the sport was a huge deal and all their money it's just they didn't want to stick around to, long enough to to really i guess evolve and and make the investment to to be you know come, go from startup to winner because it takes it takes a long time in this sport
0: yeah he he probably didn't get the best crack at the cup series for one of course he was rushed uh but when you heard things like Bill Davis Saying the only driver he'd ever seen in his car with that kind of talent was Jeff Gordon, compare, comparing him to Scott Speed. Uh, yeah, I think some some owners, some team decision makers got a little hungrier than usual. But also, that Red Bull program went through three regimes in its uh, short lifespan in the Cup Series, uh, so it may not have been a very good situation that Scott Speed was rushed within. Uh, which is a shame. Uh, a lot of people praise his talent. I uh, would have liked to have seen it uh, at a full showcase. We won't see it there, but hey, he can make a name for himself in stage rally all the better because he certainly seems up for the challenge. Episode
1: 79 of Positive Aggression, the Scott Speed Edition. All right, let's get it started, David. We are dedicating much of this episode, this segment, to the Truck Series, something I love, obviously, because I'm down there on pit road. Every race uh, for FS1 and Fox, which is, uh, it's been a fun year. It's been a crazy year, obviously, with the COVID break, but to, to be one of the few people at the track, you know, still talking to drivers and still talking with crew chiefs and getting the stories, David, it's been a, uh, a privilege and a pleasure. So uh, I'm glad we can dedicate some time to talking to, about the truck series because the playoffs start. Uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, thank you. You're a subscriber, but they start on Thursday night at Bristol of all places. So it's going to be fun. And David, one reason it's going to be fun is, uh, because when we ask the question, David, who's the best team this season? There, I've been saying for weeks, there really is no clear choice. There is no Harvick and Hamlin, you know, two outliers, you know, and fill in the rest for Phoenix, if you will. Th- this seems up for grabs, whether that's a good thing or bad thing that someone doesn't want to go up there and take it, or we can't identify them quite yet. But do you agree there, there's no real clear choice quite yet? What do you think?
0: I agree with that. I think the, the genesis of this conversation began over the last few weeks when we've asked each other who is the title favorite in the truck series. And I think with with the playoff format, that's not always clear. You mentioned Harvick and Hamlin. There's not even a Briscoe and Cindric right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the truck series. Like there, there isn't – that one bellwether we can point to and say that is the expectation. That is the, if everything uh, broke correctly, that is the right title winner. I don't think there is a right title winner. I, I think what we have uh is a legitimate conversation. It yeah. has evolved into who is the best team. And I don't know. I I, I don't have your opinion. I suspect we may have differing opinions, um, but there are a lot of ways to go about piecing together who we think is best because you're right. It just is not clear.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I generally favor victories because that's what the playoff format rewards. But as you said, you know, the best team may not be the playoff favorite. We'll get to that in a second. But David, right now, at least for the regular season, again, I said I favor victories, but I am going to go. With Austin Hill in the 16 truck as the best team of the year so far. The lack of winning does bother me. They only have one win and that's in Kansas. Uh, the consistency is there though. You can't deny that. They've led the series points damn near from the beginning. Uh, so I have to get, you have to give them credit there. Uh, he gave one away in Atlanta, uh, that he probably should have won. Just kind of blew up on a bad, not blew up, but he blew a bad restart at the end of that race that he should have won Atlanta. He did win in Kansas. Uh, David, he was right there. He was part of that bad pit call in Darlington that we covered here on Positive Aggression, I think last week. Uh, so he was right there in position to win Darlington. If he stays out, he probably wins that race. Uh, he was part of that unlucky group last week in Richmond that just needed a caution. You know, if they get that caution and get the tires, he, he's very much in contention to win that race as well. So, you know, he did go in as the uh, regular season champ, got those bonus points. But the way it all works out, all of a sudden he's, I think, third in the standings as we head into Bristol. But as we look at it as the best team so far this year, I do think it is Austin Hill and the 16 team. Not necessarily the title favorite. I don't think they are, but I do think they are the best
0: team right now. Okay. So that, that might also be my pick, but I have a contingency plan that I think is really <laughs> interesting, but, but let's, let's talk about Austin Hill. So this is his second full year driving for Hattori. Uh, last season was a welcome surprise, especially for folks that weren't privy to what he was able to do in the East series. Uh, he won the final race of the season at Homestead, and when we talked about it, uh, and, and it, it still comes to mind when I watch him on mile-and-a-half tracks, he was the only driver that I think treated the season finale as if it was the season finale. I mean, he 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 came to kill. He was not championship eligible, but they came to win a race, and they certainly did that. This season, for me, has been... Partly a disappointment, and I'll I'll explain why. So he he won one race. He won Kansas 1, which was on a a mile-and-a-half track. And this team is the second fastest in the truck series overall. He had the fastest truck in the race uh, at Kansas 1, which he won, and at Homestead, which he won last year. He also ranked in the top three for Central Speed at Charlotte, Atlanta, both mile-and-a-halves, Pocono, Darlington, and last week at Richmond, he led laps in 10 of his 16 races. But also, Alan, this is what I keep coming back to when I think about his viability for the championship. This team will absolutely disappear during a race for different reasons, of course. But even in races they lead, they very quietly backtrack on whether they're a factor for a win. There, there are stages where I do not see the 16 truck. And I've I've gone back and just kind of looked at his underlying numbers. Some of this is on the team. Uh, per quarter their speed just sort of goes up and down. It's never really consistent. Overall, it's fast, but those those missing quarters where they just lack speed it kills them at times. Mm. And, and eventually that costs them points and potentially wins. But it, it's on Austin Hill, too. His passing this season, he is a negative surplus passer. He is also the most productive truck series regular. He has a production equal equipment rating over four, which is stupendous. But he's also the only truck series driver in the top 10 for Pierre with a negative surplus passing value. And I've got this... Pulled up, this is probably terrible to list this out on a podcast with uh with no visual medium, but just breaking it down from Las Vegas and Charlotte on his races he ended Las Vegas with a positive surplus uh adjusted pass differential at Charlotte negative the races after that positive negative positive <laughs> negative negative positive positive negative positive negative, positive. Negative, negative, positive negative. So, so you have like evens out. No. <laughs> you have yeah but but what's curious about that is when you have a driver who clearly has this big of a production ability and he is a good driver I'm not taking that away but that that goodness is inconsistent and when that happens when Hatori when Scott Zipidelli, when they don't know Which Austin Hill, the passer, is gonna show up for this particular race? That's really tough to build a game plan around. So that kind of speaks a little bit to maybe why they disappear at times. Uh, for me, it's a situation in which, yes, I firmly believe this is the best team in the truck series as of right now. There, there is a challenger. I'll get to him in a second. But they are also flawed in that they very seldom turn in complete races. They should have a deep playoff run. However, this feels like enough reason to question how they go about winning this championship. Because again, this this title isn't going to be crowned at a mile and a half track where this team seems to thrive. It's going to be at Phoenix. So especially in the semifinal round and in the final race, if they disappear, that might be it.
1: Yeah, and one weakness, uh, and I addressed this with Austin. If you remember last year, David, I mean, again, the, the 16 team was coming off a championship with Brett Moffitt. They made a deep run last year in the playoffs with Austin Hill, but their two worst tracks didn't show up at Martinsville and didn't show up at all at Phoenix, which would have put them in Homestead. And remember, who won the Homestead race? Austin Hill. But the reason he wasn't championship eligible is because they didn't show up at Phoenix. And guess where the championship race is there is this year. Obviously we know it's Phoenix. I asked him about this very thought is that, you know, to win a championship, you're going to have to show up at both Martinsville and Phoenix. And he says that has been on their mind. They have addressed it in terms of bringing a totally different package set up, new trucks, if you will. Um, what we saw out of him at Gateway was a great finish. And what we saw out of them in Richmond last week was pretty good in terms of where they've been on those shorter, flatter tracks, if you will. So they have good vibes going forward to Martinsville and Phoenix. If if those performances that we saw in Gateway and Richmond can translate into Phoenix, I think they'll be good. But they have to get there, obviously, first. And, you know, they didn't win either of those races, and you're going to probably have to win Phoenix to win the title. But they are cognizant of what they did last year and where their weakness was in terms of winning a championship and the format, if you will, and what they did at Phoenix last year. So that's something we'll have to look at.
0: Can I ask you about Brett Moffat? Sure. Is that your pick? Is, are they the best team? Well, it's the fastest team, but it's also a winless team. Mm. So, Alan Kavana, Pitt reporter, uh, please explain.
1: Ah, uh, you know, I, th- th- this is tough because every week we ask him. I mean, every week I interview a frustrated second place finisher, if you will, a frustrated second or third place finishing Brett Moffitt, right? And I guess when you've been champion, when you've been the race winner, Brett Moffitt, second and third place, especially to your teammate most often, right? It's been Sheldon Creed or Zane Smith. That does have to get under your skin and piss you off. Uh, I, I don't know the exact answer. Uh, I think he's done some interviews with Bob Pockris, Uh or, you know, Bob has asked that question in post-race interviews and he's talked about the setups. You know, tailored specifically maybe to Brett Moffitt and, and his driving style, maybe they aren't there as compared to maybe more of a team setup or what have you. Uh, but I interview often a frustrated Brett Moffitt when he's second and third place and not winning. So that frustration means they've obviously got the speed, as you said, they obviously have the caliber and potential to win and they're just not doing it. And that may lose them a
0: championship. It could. He ranks seventh right now in peer. Uh, his rating is above a 3.0 without a win. And he does have a negative top 15 efficiency, which, uh yeah, serves as the worst among the front runners, I would say. Sheldon Creeds is actually worse, but he's a, a little less productive. I think I agree with you. This might have been a season... Weirdly, in which the veteran driver at GMS, which I, I'll say maybe the top organization right now in the truck series, but the veteran driver might not have as high of a ceiling for potential as two of his stable mates. And we're witnessing that difference in real time. It, it's sort of strange. I mean, if you told me that Zane Smith or Sheldon Creed were going to rip off some impressive restart or just be utterly relentless. I mean, I, I kind of I kind of thought that at Darlington when Greg Biffle announced he was going to drive for GMS at Darlington, my initial thought was, "Oh my gosh, Sheldon Creed is going to whip his ass." Because that because because those those kids are absolutely relentless yeah. and Brett Moffitt can get on the wheel in his own right but at the tempo that those guys are I mean they're they're going to to win it or wallet that's not Brett Moffitt but that also seems to be what his paid dividends this season I'm curious to see in the playoffs if Brett steps it up uh, we, we saw on Twitter, you pointed it out to me that Denny Hamlin certainly yeah. seemed to think very highly of him.
1: Rodney Child got a lot of good feedback, especially for, yeah, I, in that, in that Xfinity car.
0: Yeah. His ability is well received, but right now mm, there's a very odd juxtaposition in what the team is able to do. And again, this is the fastest team in the series, but. They're unable to win, and um, I can't really put my finger on why because his underlying numbers are are pretty good, and and, I, and that, that might be it, that they're not elite, and and that's sort of what he's lacking is why they aren't more serious title contenders is Brett's been pretty good in a series where no one has especially been elite, so it's sort of there for the taking. All right. So was that your pick? I lost track. <laughs> was that your – are they the yeah, best I think, team? I okay. think it's a, it's a little bit Austin Hill. It's a little bit Brett Moffitt. Okay. And, and that's that's kind of where I I get back to it. So there to me, there isn't a clear number one yeah. because well, there's simply – we, we,
1: we both pushed away a three-time winner Sheldon Creed, three-time winner yeah. Grin and Finger, and two-time oh, winner Zane Smith. I mean we didn't, we didn't even mention them. And uh, – Uh, you know, I think we all have our reasons, but uh, what what are your reasons? Why, why not Sheldon Creed? I guess I'll throw that at you.
0: Why not Sheldon Creed? I mean, I, I think it's, it's the inexperience Mm -hmm. as a weakness, I but I think we can say that about all of these teams. I don't think there is a team without flaw. And when that happens, there is parody. Every, every team has a weakness and eventually weaknesses get exposed and they've been exposed this entire season. So with GMS Racing, just talked about it, their veteran driver, not as threatening as two younger drivers. Um, but with those two drivers, Creed and Smith, with youth comes being fallible and being mistake prone at times. And we have seen the growing pains with Thor Sport Racing, which is Enfinger and Rhodes and Crafton. That might be the richest team in the series, and they have veteran drivers relative to the field, but that hasn't translated this season to consistent speed. so we saw teams uh that made the championship four last year in Nice Motorsports and Halmar Friesen take significant steps backwards because both sought independence from their affiliations with g m s and maybe that is growing pains and or maybe. It was a bad idea from the get-go, <laughs> but it, but it hasn't, it hasn't worked. Uh, and then the, the elephant in the room, I would say, Kyle Busch Motorsports is, is, seems to be only Kyle Busch Motorsports to one driver. <laughs> like, I think Christian Eckes might be pretty sporty in a GMS truck. It's gotten to that point. Wow. And when, when I, when I review these races, I, I see a, a good young driver in Christian Eckes, but, I don't know that he's got the firepower that some of these other young guys do, and that's clear at least in their underlying speed numbers, especially lately down down the stretch. Uh, all right, uh, good good
1: discussion there about the playoffs and what, what what is to come, David. What I also want to touch on is uh, I, I mentioned my coworker before, Bob P from Fox Sports, <laughs> but uh, we were talking about trucks this earlier this week, and uh, and he offered a question, and, and I thought the same thing: which young drivers in the series? have emerged as potential Cup Series drivers? And and David, why I think this is such an interesting question this year anyway is because for years we could at least point to one driver, right? There there was always like an anointed one. We knew where Eric Jones was going, at least like we felt we did. Maybe I'm looking with rose-colored glasses, but same thing with Christopher Bell, William Byron, Ryan Blaney. Like we, We felt like we could chase Elliott we knew what their futures were going to be, and it wouldn't surprise anybody, right, to see them in, in Cup Series rides. It was almost written that, that this was the first step of the Truck Series on a ladder that was already, uh, you know, leaning on a Cup House, if you will. <laughs> uh But looking at the talent pool this year, and whether it be talent or potential opportunities in terms of funding, you don't know who's going to be around and what because of money issues. David, I don't know if there is that one heir apparent anymore. That's what makes it so such an interesting question. Which of these young guys could potentially be in cup right now? What do you think about that?
0: It's it's kind of like saying that there isn't one five star prospect, but I would argue there might be a few four star prospects. All
1: right, well, let's talk yeah, about I, it. <laughs> okay, I think
0: I think that might be fair. So we've mentioned Zane Smith and Sheldon Creed. Yeah, they they have improved. Their prospect stocks better than anyone in NASCAR's top three series since the start of the season, I would say. Mm-hmm.
1: Those are two on my list. I'll give you my layman's, um, my, okay. my, my layman's view is yeah, Sheldon I love because of his adaptation. Um, you know, I think I referred to him, you know, to his face <laughs> as a dart without feathers, right? I think a lot of people would have given him that. And even he's admitted, like, you know, especially last year, a driver with a lot of speed, but you know, he even said it live on television, much to our chagrin. He wrecks a lot of shit. <laughs> and, um, uh, or at least he did, right? And he has been able to harness that. I've seen that evolution, that adaptation from a driver with a lot of speed that would throw it three wide and make terrible decisions, right, and uh, make it exciting at least, but into a driver who has learned to manage races and win races and make himself a championship contender. I like that adaptation. I think adaptation means you can move up the ladder and eventually go into adapt to a cup ride because you can learn. Uh, similar with Zane, I just love what he does with his limited opportunities, right? I mean, how he has emerged as a contender and race winner this year, you see the improvement on the track. Uh, and the limited, uh, appearances he had last year in the Xfinity car for JRM. David, he was really good in that eight car for when he, for the limited opportunities he had and the lack of experience that he had. He put down some really good results. And I, I think those are all positive signs.
0: No, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I would like to add, uh, two outsiders to the list. The first is Sam Mayer. I think that's an obvious choice based on his career record. He's turned in the most productive 16 or age 16 year old season that we've seen in quite some time. And this season outside of the truck series, 16 Arca starts eight victories. That is monumental, I would say. And nearly uh, one gateway. He still has a lot to figure out. He's currently working with Josh Wise as a part of the Chevrolet Driver Development Initiative, and they're working on Air and trying to comprehend what is next for him. He's going to make a pretty ambitious step next season by going into the Xfinity Series uh, and ultimately full time in 2022 for Junior Motorsports. But right now, you're you're sort of seeing him figure out the the heavy bodied cars and uh, the competition that goes with it and i think he's he's acclimating pretty well. The other is Chandler Smith and i think that is an obvious choice based on his career record for the exception of this season in trucks. Uh Chandler has had a nightmare season this season. Yeah. I, I, they, objectively speaking, we have to say that. But he was also the most productive 17-year-old in recent NASCAR history uh last year so, and and we cannot ignore that um there's still some upside there i might throw him in there with the, with christian eckes and saying you know kbm a little bit of a prospect black hole right now if i'm a driver i'm i'm excited to have toyota believe in me uh, to this extent don't know that i particularly care for driving for kbm please tell me your other options that's about where i'm where i'm at right now but with chandler it's not totally associated with a team he is attacking mile and a half for the first time and he is learning uh the mistake of driving over the the choose zone logo is uh well it's pretty massive i mean it's new he he wouldn't he didn't come into this year thinking that that was going to be a mistake that he was going to make but now it is and he it's something that he's Having to learn on the fly. I had to
1: call that live on the fly. I was in the middle of a Zane Smith report when they cut to the choose zone camera and who goes right over the damn top of it and Mr. Chandler Smith. I had to, I had to call him out on television, David.
0: I noticed that and I was hoping for some zeal in your voice when you, (laughs) when you mentioned that, but, and I don't know, I'm going to go one wild card on you. Spencer Davis. I'd like to see him in better equipment and competing on a regular basis. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Spencer Davis, by the way, He's a driver I tell people to watch live and not on television in order to gain an appreciation because he's wild, he's aggressive, and I think we're sort of in an era of NASCAR where you you can't just be good, you have to be good and interesting. He's got one of those parts down.
1: Uh, let me throw one at you. I just the, the prospects for Austin Hill at this point given his age and, and his development, but David, I just like I don't know. I like his steady hand. And what what I think, what I'm thinking or where I'm going with this is that when he was upgraded to better equipment, right, for HRE and Hattori Racing, he did with it what he was supposed to, right? And I think that's all you can ask of a driver. He was given better equipment and then suddenly he was winning with it. He was contending for a championship. He was doing what he should, rising to the level of the good equipment he now had. Again, I like that. Ability. I like that ability to adapt. And he's also a really good restarter in the truck series. And you talk about restarts a lot. This is straight from the David Smith school. <laughs> if anything, we are going to get more restarts in the future from more stages, if you will. So I think anybody who has that restart ability, if he was able to carry it through the ranks, wouldn't that be attractive? Whether in a cup ride, potentially, if he could make it there.
0: Yeah. He's the second uh, best restarter among series regulars. He's gained 53 positions. All in on restarts this year. That's more than anybody. So yeah, that's, that is something that can translate, but I'll throw this back at you. Ooh. Why do this? Why, why would, let's just say, uh, you know, I don't know, JTG Doherty racing or, or front row motorsports. It may be a team at that level. They're opening a new car. They're interested in Austin Hill. Why do it? What is the upside versus drivers who are younger, have a little bit more blue sky above them? What is it about Austin Hill that, that you, that makes you want to say, I'm going to invest in him, even though he's a little bit older, but this is, this is my guy. What is it?
1: Uh, it would be, he doesn't wreck a lot that I can think of. Uh, he seems to adapt to his equipment and, and, you know, drive to its level, if not above it. And if he can get me a good few positions on a restart and finish better than it should, I want that out of a young driver. That seems valuable to me as an owner. I don't know if that's enough. Oh, okay.
0: So I, I think I'm just, I'm trying to think of the way a team decision maker would think, right? If you, if you were going to, because, uh, because really in a vacuum, all of these young guys, if we were to hire them right now, they would cost about the same. And if you are a team on the lower end of the cup series grid, because if, I mean, if we're being honest, I don't know that Austin Hill is in play for a ride at Stuart Haas or, or Penske or JGR right now. But if you're looking at the the lower portion of the Cup Series grid, you're looking for a driver that you can build sponsorship around or a driver who brings you revenue either in personal sponsorship or creates revenue because he goes out and wins races. Uh, you want a driver who you believe you aren't seeing close to a finished product. You want somebody that there is some air of mystery because you hope it gets better than what you're seeing. I think right now, you're right. He doesn't crash. He's a good restarter. It's going to be a little bit different in the Cup Series. But is that enough upside for a Cup team to say, yes, we're going to go in this direction? I don't know that there is enough of a hook. Because again, I go back to what I've seen from him this year. There are truck series races in which Austin Hill disappears.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what's going to happen in the cup series if he, if he does that? If he disappears, he's finishing 35th or worse. I mean, that's just something you cannot do. At that level, uh, and, and ultimately that, that could be something even, even though now he's still in play for a truck series championship, but that little something might be enough for a talent evaluator at the cup series level to say, I think there are better, younger options elsewhere.
1: All right. Let's tackle this, uh, quickly you know, the Xfinity series w- with the bodies and everything on them, uh, rules package and all that in, it offers little similarity to the cup cars in the current rules package. So can a driver or why can not a driver go straight from the truck series to the cup series, David? Do you like those prospects? I'm not quite sold on it only because to me, the Xfinity series, it just, it's not as steep of a climb in terms of the talent level and, you know, jumping competition. I think that's important for drivers to help adapt. Um, the longer races, you know, going from truck to, Cup would be a huge difference. Uh, again, I think the Xfinity is a good middle ground. And, but what I will tell you, David, is that when a lot of these teams and crew chiefs are studying film, crew chiefs that I've talked to, Matt Noyce, Kevin Bellacourt, they have their drivers watch in cars from Cup races and not Xfinity. So there's got to be something to that in terms of their similarities. So maybe you're onto something. What do you think about the jump from truck straight to Cup?
0: There's no reason they can't do it. Right? Because the only argument that I would usually make is that there is a second competition leap in the Xfinity series. But even I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure that I can say that this year. The talent is probably top heavy in the Xfinity series. Chase Briscoe and Austin Cendric strike me as guys that could come in and win a lot of races right now in trucks, but the truck series field is deeper. Kind of what we said earlier, maybe not five star prospects, but a lot of four stars and a lot of uh, veterans. The teams from a standpoint of strength are more equal. So the benefit of the Xfinity series to me is all car knowledge not necessarily learning against competition. And without the iron sharpening iron philosophy, what the Xfinity series offers is the long schedule, which we know drivers tend to struggle with in the cup series because there isn't time to communicate efficiently, adjust on the fly. The turnaround is, is relentless and assimilation into different teams these cup teams, when you see Penske and JGR competing in the Xfinity series, they bring with them cup series philosophies, and that serves as an important integration point. But I think it speaks to the competitive level of the truck series when you're competing every week against Crafton and Sodder and Enfinger and maybe now Moffat, that you learn a thing or two. Chase Briscoe won just two truck series races in his career. Same for Noah Gragson. Austin Sendrick won once. Harrison Burton never won a truck race. And these guys have all won multiple Xfinity races this year alone. Yeah, I, I, I guess the way that it's set up, the truck series is NASCAR's third tier, but I'm not so sure that that means it's easier than what's purported to be the second tier. Good stuff.
1: A great deep dive into the truck series, David. But we should get to that other series that's racing this weekend in Bristol. Yeah, we're talking the Cup Series. (laughs) It is the cutoff race. The cutoff race is the Bristol night race, David, which is uh, a great move on the scheduling part of the NASCAR sanctioning body. So good job there because there is a lot to be settled on Saturday night in Bristol. So David, we have been there once, right? The the Cup Series has raced there for a full race, if you will, regular season and the all-star race. So what should be our takeaways uh, from those two races? If you're going back to look at what we learned, I mean, Brad Keselowski won that first Bristol race in the regular season, led more than a hundred laps. Uh, we know he's pretty damn good at this 750 horsepower package. Is that what we learned in the first Bristol race?
0: Well, that, that might be one thing. I think the the Pinsky guys are going to be uh, interesting to watch. You know, we learned this track with this package can be a mess hmm. in the points-paying race this spring. Uh, the action was fun. It was, I mean, it was it was really good racing, but that it was fleeting, at least initially, because the first two stages saw 25% of laps completed under caution, and that's not ideal. Uh, things simmered down in the final stage. They really simmered down in the all-star race. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was ironic considering NASCAR has long been looking for a way to spice things up in the all-star race, and it finally moves uh, to Bristol, and Bristol delivers a track position contest. Of course, that happens. Um, but I think this weekend's race could look very much like Richmond did last weekend in that track position is the focus. A, a little bit different. Yes, we saw cars pass freely in the spring race at Bristol, but now there are pages in a book that didn't previously exist about this track prior to the spring race. Now they've got that one race race under their belt with this spoiler. So teams have legitimate notes and I'm willing to wager the race we see Saturday night won't have 17 <laughs> caution flags in it. At least I hope not. I do like seeing racing. So uh, it, it would be a little bit more conservative. I'm sure there's still going to be an element of Bristol.
1: Well, that's good to hear. Uh, we are going back. Remember Bristol, the all-star race anyway, was the uh, debut of the Choose Zone. Uh, So it wasn't in that first regular season race. It was in the All-Star race, and teams have had some practice on it. But, David, what does that do for the restart dynamic in terms of where you want to be? I think we kind of know where you want to be. You want to be on the outside. But uh, Bristol usually has one of the larger disparities on the circuit. So tell us about the restart dynamic at Bristol for those who may not remember how big of a disparity it is.
0: Yeah, maybe the worst disparity... In all of NASCAR, uh, the, the, the track for, the, the kind of fuels the reason for, <laughs> for the choose zone, I would say. Uh, the outside groove in the spring race retained position 97% of oh. the time. The inside just under 19% oh, of my. the time.
1: <laughs> That's bad. So the choose
0: rule will work as it's intended. Uh, On MotorsportsAnalytics.com this week, I've posted a Plan Your Restart page for Bristol. It is available to patrons at the $10 Johnny Benson level. I ranked the restart slots, Alan. Eighth place, which is the fourth row outside, is a more valuable restart spot than fifth place, which is third row inside. Wow. That's how out of whack the disparity is, both in terms of retention and the size of the gain loss. Okay. So uh,
1: teams, start listening, start subscribing, and get that information because uh, that's that's huge, David. <laughs> and so th- that is – it just boggles my mind sometimes that more teams don't know this or, or they're not thinking of this or maybe they, they're just not evolving as quickly as some other teams are who do understand this and can make these decisions on the fly because there are poor decisions made and adding this choose zone decision is another one potentially what 17 times, right? The the team may have to make a good or bad decision. That's significant.
0: I hope that it's not seventeen times. <laughs> yeah, true,
1: true. <laughs> Anything, maybe maybe even ten times. That's still ten choices to make. Uh, you know, you wanna bat you wanna bat better than three hundred on those choices, right? You wanna bat probably ninety uh nine hundred on those choices. You don't want to make a bad one. So that's just wow, that's significant. All right, let's move on. Remember, this is the the cut the cutoff race. So, David, there are four drivers below the cut line currently. Who do you see stepping up a little bit and performing on Saturday night to maybe drive themselves above the cut line? I'll let you go first.
0: Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll cheat and pick two because one's really obvious. Uh, Ryan Blaney has led 60 or more laps at Bristol in four of his last five starts there. He's had trouble finishing those races. Uh, that of course needs to be corrected it would help that he just goes out and uh, and wins the thing. Uh, I saw a post by Dustin Long saying that no driver this far out in points has actually uh, made it to the next round. So there's a little bit of uh history-defying logic here facing uh, Blaney. The other pick, and I'll say that this is uh, my contrarian uh, pick, Clint Boyer, hmm. uh, as long as he makes – Good decisions in the choose zone, that is. Uh, when we recorded our Twitter videos in advance of the Bristol spring race, we identified Clint Boyer, who started deep in the field that race, as a driver to watch. He passed efficiently, he restarted well, and his race resulted in a second-place finish. It was his best result of the season thus far. And to be frank, Alan, Boyer is fighting to stay in the sport. It's sounding more with each passing day that Chase Briscoe could get a Cup Series promotion, and it would be Boyer's ride. Uh, while what Boyer has left to offer any team in the Cup Series is good production in races exactly like this one. He's still a positive short track passer. And NASCAR has hit upon a rules package that allows drivers like him to go out and do what they do best. And uh, I believe if if this weekend's race is a fail for him, then it could be the end of his run in the playoffs uh, for sure. But it could also be the end of the line for him, uh, at least in a top flight Cup Series ride. Jeez, no pressure. Um, I'm going with, uh, in terms of below the cut line, uh,
1: Willie B, man, Willie Byron, William Byron. Uh, David, he has a string of top tens at, at these, this year at, at the short tracks, at the 750 tracks. So, I mean, as a driver who needs to go out there and produce and put up a good number in terms of finish, Uh, I I don't know why I'm surprised, but just seeing his numbers at the 750 in short tracks, they surprise me where his finishes have been. So I don't see why he wouldn't be able to do it again. I know uh, last week at Richmond, I think they were, you know, he described it as kind of dying a slow death right from the start. I don't think they, they bring that. That that bad, bad setup juju again, you know what I mean? Like They're not going to make this mistake again, I don't think, uh, a second week in a row. So I, I think if uh, someone below the cut line needs to step up and drive his way in, I think William Byron can do it.
0: Yeah, and it's possible. I'm pretty bullish on all the Hendrick cars this weekend just because there's banking. That's, that's the kind of track type they thrive on. Um, last weekend at Richmond, flatter track, and we saw those cars – Really struggle, as has been the case all season on flat tracks. Bristol, plenty of banking. That should be fine.
1: All right. Good stuff. Uh, you picked a contrarian. Uh, I went, you know, someone tried to go outside the playoffs, David. You picked a playoff driver who's had success at Bristol. I don't know how contrarian that is. Anyway, oh, um, <laughs> well, look, I, I don't have a great answer either. I mean, Cole Custer has better overall performance this year at the 750 tracks, uh, but he crashed earlier this year in Bristol, so I don't have much to go on. Christopher Bell had a top 10 in Bristol. But that seems more, uh you know, judging by the rest of his season, that seems more like an outlier than anything. So I may lean Cole Custer, but I, I don't know. It's hard in a playoff format like this. I don't know if I could see either of them in the top 10. I apologize. So I guess I don't have an answer. So that's worse than yours.
0: <laughs> well, I guess you can't be wrong with your contrarian pick if you don't make a pick. <laughs> so maybe you're living in the year 3000.
1: Here. Damn it. Uh, well, maybe I can be right twice. We'll see. Maybe they'll both surprise us. You never know. Good stuff, David. Good episode. Uh, episode 79 of Positive Regression. Don't forget, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Luminary, and TuneIn. We are available no matter your device. Our entire catalog of episodes is available for free at posregpod.com. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a rating or a review. This stuff helps spread the word about this podcast. We, of course, notice and it is so appreciated. Tell all your friends. If you have any questions, send them to us on Twitter. We love to answer them at posregpod, P-O-S-R-E-G-P-O-D. David, you're always busy. What are you working on?
0: Uh, A few things to plug this week, actually. I analyzed Eric Amarola's contract extension with Stuart Haas Racing this week for Forbes.com. So check that out. And for my Motorsports Analytics patrons at the $25 level, the Prospect Bible is coming very, very soon. I'm putting the finishing touches on it right now. It looks amazing. It's an ebook. I think a lot of our listeners don't yet realize they want it. <laughs> Trust me when I say that. If, if you do want it, uh, uh, to get on, on the distribution list for volume one of the Motorsports Analytics Prospect Bible, you can become a Wendell Scott level patron at patreon.com backslash Motorsports Analytics. You want knowledge? You go get that
1: stuff. (laughs) Uh, Again, if you are a subscriber, you're listening to this on Thursday morning. So thank you so much, which means you need to watch FS1 on Thursday night because that's where I'll be on pit road for the Truck Series playoff opener, the Truck Night Race at Bristol. going to be awesome. So make sure you watch that and then just uh, watch all the racing you can. Keep it tuned to Race Hub, Monday through Thursday. 6pm on FS1 and of course listen to this podcast Positive Regression thank you guys so much for listening we'll see you next week